بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم chapter 25 on the explanation of the book of Tawheed the author رحمه الله put the title باب chapter بيان شيء من أنواع السحر clarification of a number of types of magic or sorcery in this title he means making clear some realities and the rulings regarding these realities of pertaining to this matter and we learned earlier that the sihr magic is divided into two types or two kind or two kinds or two categories we can say disbelief and fist disbelief and fist now how to differentiate between the two I may ask you this question please how to differentiate between the two when it is kufr disbelief and when it is fist sin well when it is considered to be disbelief and when it is considered to be fisk if it's kufr if uh, it is kufr if it is if utilizes the shayateen and the like it's kufr so some of the types he is, is going to mention rahimahullah includes kufr and includes fisk as entailed by the legal evidences the author rahimahullah began by relating that Ahmed rahimahullah Imam Ahmed narrated from Muhammad bin Ja'far on the authority of Muhammad bin Ja'far who said that Auf related from Hayyam bin Al-Ala who said Haddathana Qatnu ibn Qadisa an Abi from his father that he heard the messenger sallallahu saying Inna al-Iyafata wa-tarqa wa-tiyarata min al-Jibt من الجبت who said that العيافة foretelling events by the flight of birds and drawing lines in the earth to predict events الطيارة omens and portents are are from جبت are from جبت acts of sorcery now what are these things uh, first one is al-iyafa which means to cry to cry out at birds either for good or bad omen this was established with the arabs 
Sometimes the Arabs used to restrain or chid or cry at the bear for hunting. But this is not considered from Al-Iyafa. This is excluded. Sometimes they would cry out and if flying they turn their right sides he augured well from them but if they turned left aside then it's evil you understand this is al-iyafa this is al-iyafa so for telling events by the flight direction of the flight now what about if the bird goes forward we don't know whether they stopped or they would repeat the cry again at them so this is from Egypt this is from Egypt acts of sorcery the second one is At-Tarq At-Tarq and here Auf one of the narrators explained what it meant as it meant the drawing lines on earth to predict events and this is a matter known to them to the Arabs they used to draw lines on sand as a means of sorcery and fortune telling or foretelling rather and mostly it was done by women and no one knows how they reached their objectives or what they claimed to know of the unseen through these acts and that such and such will occur in accordance with their ways this is a no this is a type of Egypt of sorcery if someone says that there is an authentic report from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam that there was a prophet who drew lines that there was a prophet who drew lines and he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam so if they do it as they did then that is allowable this is when he was asked about drawing lines by the companions so how is this understood Prophet ﷺ said there was a prophet who drew lines so if they do it as they did that is allowable this is answerable by two ways first way is to say that the messenger ﷺ made it conditional on something unattainable because he said if they do it as they did and what would make us know that they would do it as they did so this is he conditioned it on something 
unattainable. The second is to say that if the line drawing by the Prophet of the past came by way of revelation from Allah in relation to what was done by this Prophet in particular, then there is no harm. Because this will be taken as a sign whereby the revelation brings forth these lines and they teach them to the Prophet. However, with respect to these magic lines, then this is from the inspiration of shaitan. Now, if someone says, well, the way of the Messenger وسلم, is to close the doors, all the doors, especially particular to this matter of shirk. Why he didn't close the door in this case? The answer is, this It is as if this was something known, and Allah knows best, meaning that there was a prophet from the prophets who drew line. So therefore the Prophet ﷺ, it's a must upon him to answer, answer relevant to this matter. And now we knew from the two ways of response that the first one that he conditioned it on upon something which is unattainable, so what would one make us know? The second that this could have been from the way of revelation, and was as a sign brought by the revelation, and the Prophet was taught regarding that. The third matter which the Prophet ﷺ referred to in this is At-Tiyara omens and portents and that this is from Egypt and it is to have a bad omen from something seen or heard or known and the Arabs used to have bad omens from the bird and also from time and place and people and this is from shirk as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned and one should know that if the person opens for himself the door on omens then the whole world will be restricted for him and he would imagine everything as something bad and evil there are people who there are people who exist If they go out in the morning or they leave their homes and they meet someone who may have one eye only, he will consider that this is a bad omen. And then he would say, this is an evil day. And may return or may close his shop. He may not even go for trade that day. Walayadhu billah. We seek refuge in Allah from this. 
there were those who also had bad omen from the day of Wednesday and they say that this is a bad and evil day brings evil and there are also those who used to have bad omen in some months like the month of Shawwal and especially when it comes to marriage in this month and here we remember Aisha Umm al-Mu'mineen may Allah be pleased with her she nullified this bad omen where we know that the contracted marriage on her was done in Sha'ban or rather sorry for Shawwal I mentioned Sha'ban but it is Shawwal and commenced in Shawwal and she used to say to the wives of Allah's Messenger May Allah Sallallahu be upon him and may Allah be pleased with all of them. Ayyukunna kana ahva indahu minni. Who among the wives of Allah's Messenger was dearer to him than I? And the answer is certainly no one. No one than her. So therefore the individual, the person must not think about this. Because it will spoil and make his life miserable. And what's obligated is to take the Messenger وسلم, as the example. Where he used to like Al-Fa'l, good word, and takes it as a good omen. The fa'al is a good word that one of you hears. So therefore the person should have fa'al in goodness and should not give attention to these bad omens. And there are people who, if they follow this trend, you find them every time when they have a bad omen they will leave their tasks and they will say we will not ever succeed in anything and they will abandon them and this is a mistake wrong everything that you see a benefit in it then don't be lazy in trying to attain it and try once twice and more until Allah opens the matter for you. The Prophet ﷺ in this hadith, he said that verily, Al-Ayyafa, Al-Tarq, and Al-Tira are all acts of sorcery, of jibt. And we learned in the previous chapter from Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that Al-Jibt is sorcery. 
as to the saying of Al-Hasan, which the author, rahimahullah, related. Qala Al-Hasan, rannatu shaytan Meaning zift. He said it means, rannat al-shaytan. In the text which the author, rahimahullah, referred to concerning the this chapter. He related the saying of Al-Hasan al-Basri, Rahimahullah, as Rannatu al-Shaytan, meaning that this appears to mean Wahyu shaytan the inspiration of Shaytan, that this is from his inspiration and dictation. And there is no doubt that the one who takes his command from the inspired, from the inspiration given by shaitan, there is no doubt that he does a kind of kuf. And the fact that al-iyatha, foretelling events by flight of birds, is from magic, is from sorcery, is that because the person relies in it about something which is not real. What does it mean for a bird to go left or right or forward or backward? This has no basis. It has no legal nor physical cause. If the person relies upon this, then he will be depending upon something hidden, having no reality to it. And this is sihr, as we learned from the definition of the sihr in the language before. Similarly, at-tarq, the drawing of the line, because they use it in sihr, to attain certain things through that. And at similarly, because it is like al-ayatha, exactly, depends upon something hidden. And we will talk about Al-Tiyara and what's excluded from it in the coming classes, inshallah. And the next narration which the author, rahimahullah, cited, the Abi Dawood, Wal-Nasai, Wabni Hibban, the author, rahimahullah, said, وَعَنِ ibn Abbas, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَنِ اقْتَبَسَ شعبة من النجوم فقد اقتبس شعبة من السحر زاد ما زاد رواه أبو داود وإسناده صحيح supported on the authority of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما that he said Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever learns a part of astrology has learned a part of magic those who learn more accumulate more i.e. of sin so this is referring to astrology not the stars themselves this is because you don't you don't learn the stars but what it refers to here is the (coughs) astrology through which people (coughs) consider as a means to find about worldly events 
So they, you see them, for example, link such a star to another star when they come close or something like that, that there something such and such will take place. <coughs> and on the birth of a person on such an, a date of astrology, for example, that he will be a happy person. And with respect to another star, he will be a wicked so they take from the various conditions of the stars evidences for varied worldly events. And we know that these events take place by Allah's command. Their causes may be known to us and may be not known. But the stars has no relation to them. And that's why it came, it came in the hadith of Zayd bin Khalid al-Juhani radiyallahu anhu fi al In the conquest of al-Hudaybiyah that the Messenger sallallahu prayed one night following a rainy following rain that night he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this morning some of my slaves became believers in me and others disbelievers whoever said that we were given the rain or the rain was sent by such and such meaning star then he is a disbeliever in me believing in the star and whoever said that the rain was sent upon us by Allah's favor and his mercy then he is a believer in me and disbeliever in the star so therefore the stars don't bring rain nor do they bring winds. Yes, truly, really that sometimes and some seasons there occurs in them winds and rain. That is because these times and seasons are the places for these occurrences from wind and rain. But these are not, these times and seasons are not the cause or causes for rain or winds. And astrology is divided into two kinds. First, the astrological effects. And that is to relate the astrological conditions to events occurring on the earth and this is forbidden and futile because of this hadith when the Prophet ﷺ said Man min whoever learns a party of astrology فَقَدْ اِقْتَبَسَ شُعْبَةً مِنَ السَّحْرِ 
has lent a party of magic or a part of magic. And also in the hadith of Zayd, whoever says, we were, or the rain was sent upon us by such and such star, and that he is a believer, disbeliever in me, and believer in the stars, or in the star. And also because of the saying of the Prophet ﷺ concerning the sun and the moon, that they are ayatani min ayatillah, two of Allah's signs, la yankasifani li mawti ahad, wala li hayati. They are not eclipsed for the death of someone, nor for his life. So, <coughs> these astrological conditions have no relation, linking them to worldly events. The second astrological kind is that which is taken as a sign for directions and times. This is permissible and it may be obligatory sometimes. Like as said by some of the scholars, if the time of Salah commences, then the Muslim must know, have knowledge of the signs of the Qibla from the stars and the sun and the moon. He can take them as leads for direction. Allah Ta'ala in Surah An-Nahl, chapter 17, verse 15. And he has affixed into the earth mountains standing firm, lest it should shake with you, and rivers and roads, but or that you may guide yourselves that you may guide yourselves. Surah Al-Nahl 16.15 After he mentioned the signs on earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> then referred to the heavenly signs. So he said in verse 16, the same surah, وعلامات وبالنجم هم يهتدون and landmarks and by the stars you see during the night the mankind guide themselves so taking them, taking them as guides for certain times there is no harm in that like to say for example if such and such a star appears then the time of spring and so with respect to places like the Qibla direction the north, the south the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith said فَقَدْ اقْتَبَسَ شُعْبَةً مِنَ السِّحْرِ زَادَ مَزَد whoever learns a part of astrology has learned a part of magic. Those who learn more accumulate more sin. What's intended here by the term sihr al-magic or magic is more general than 
denon sihr denon magic because this is this is being used in relation to hidden matters that have no reality just like sihr has no reality and does not change the essences of things however it puts the person into delusion and so therefore the changes of the stars things don't change by them then in his statement sallallahu alaihi wasallam zada ma zad those who learn more accumulate more they will accumulate more of, of sin because they're going to accumulate more of sihr now what is the relation of this hadith to the title which the author rahimahullah established the relation is that from the kinds of sihr is learning astrology in order to use it so as to link worldly events to it the author when he mentioned this hadith he said isnaduhu sahih and this hadith is reported by Imam Ahmed and also Abu Dawood and uh, Abu Dawood kept silent regarding its authenticity and Ibn Majah and Al-Tabarani and Al-Bayhaqi from the hadith of Ibn Abbas our Shaykh Rahimahullah considered that the Senate the chain of this hadith although weak However, from the side of meaning, it is authentic because it is supported by other texts. And it should be noted that Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, authenticated this report, and also al-Iraqi and al-Dahab. We will stop here, inshallah, and we continue in the next session. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. Okay, go ahead, please. Go ahead. What's the proof that if you recite الرحمن one, who recites this name hundred times will get sharp memory? Where is the evidence for this? I asked him where is this. I asked you where is this from because I have no knowledge from where is it. No, I have no, I have no idea of. I haven't heard of this hadith. I have no knowledge of this. No, I, I, I didn't come across something authentic of this kind. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Now, we continue inshallah ta'ala. We continue. Uh, where the author, rahimahullah, related the hadith of al-Nasai, reported by al-Nasai from the hadith of Abi Hurairah, rather. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ عَقَدَ عُقْدَةً ثُمَّ نَفَثَ فِيهَا فَقَدْ سَحَرَ وَمَنْ سَحَرَ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِّلَ إِلَيْهِ Al-Nasai, the author, rahimahullah, related the al-Nasai's report from the hadith of Abi Hurairah, 
radiyallahu anhu that he said that whoever tied a knot and blew on it has committed an act of sorcery and whoever commits an act of sorcery has committed an act of shirk and whoever wore an omelette will be left to its control so here man aqada uqda thumma nafatha fiha whoever tied a knot and then blew on it this this blowing is with light blowing with right light now this is uh, we are chapter 25 from uh, book of Tawheed so with light wetness light wetness blow with light wetness for the purpose of magic why we say this because if someone knots just a regular knot you know and then he blows in it so that it gets tight due to moisture then this is not included then this is not included now the blowing for the purpose of sorcery is done by sorcerers sometimes to sway away drive away which is called sun away so they turn away the man from his wife especially at the time of marriage contract at the time of performing the marriage contract so that the person turns off towards his wife and then he will not have the ability to have intercourse with her whoever does this kind of knotting then he has committed sorcery as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-falaq 113 verse 4 وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي الْعُقَدِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي الْعُقَدِ and from the evil of that witchcrafts when they blow in that knots and in this hadith whoever commits an act of sorcery has committed an act of shirk and this does not cover all types of shirk Rather, what is intended here, the sorcery by way of the shayateen, the devils. And whoever, however, does it through or by means of medications and the like, then we learned earlier that he is not a disbeliever, but he is at a grave uh, stands still the one who makes sorcery by way of obeying the shayati and using them in that which he wants then there is no doubt that he is a mushrik and then here at the end of the hadith 
and whoever wore an omelet will be left to its control. <coughs> so he makes this thing which he clings to, he depends on it. So Allah will leave it, will leave him to it, and will abandon him. And the relation of this statement, whoever wore an omelet will be left to its control to the beginning of the hadith, concerning the one who blows in the knots, that the one who blows in the knots intends through this means to reach his goal so therefore he will be left to it to that which is haram another angle some who may be afflicted with sorcery by way of blowing may go to the magicians and be attached to them instead of going to the reciters and recitation and using lawful means of medication and uh, legal invocations and remembrances and anyone who depends upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah will suffice him قال الله تعالى in surah al-talaq chapter 65 verse 5 وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَالِغُ أَمْرِهِ And whoever depends upon Allah, then Allah is sufficient for him. And there is a mistake here in the reference. It should be verse 3 instead of 5. And he who will, and whoever puts his trust in Allah, then he will suffice him. Whether Allah will accomplish his purpose. So, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is once is sufficient for the person, then it's inevitable that the person will attain that which he seeks. But whoever clings to anything with the creatures, he will be left to it. And he will be left to that which is weak and defective. Also the hadith may include the one who may depend upon himself and uh, becomes proud in what he says and what he acts. Also he will be left to himself and will be left to his weakness and therefore the individual should then always, always depend upon Allah in his actions and his situations even in the slightest manners and with respect to others also it is to be said with respect to the humans depend upon yourself don't ask others, don't humiliate yourself before them, and be as much as possible sufficient from them, and with respect to Allah, 
always be dependent upon him so that your affairs are made easy. From this type also, those who cling to some kind of uh, writings or, or, yes, writings for protection, hairs they call it, which they hang around their necks and the like, they will be left to that. And they will not attain their objectives. But if they depend upon Allah and they take by the legal means, then they will attain what they want. And from that also the clinging to the graves, making them decide for refuge and for seeking matters from them and affairs people who do that will be left to that and the person may it may it may happen that he may go into a fitna and attain what he wants when he invokes these people however this thing which he sought it occurred when he when he invoked them not by calling upon them meaning a person may stand by a grave and ask for something there so he may get into a fitna whereby he may attain what he sought and then he thinks that it is because of this occupant. And this will be a fitna to him. Those occupants cannot answer the dua. But when he makes the dua he may be put onto or in this trial an affliction such that Allah answers the dua and this person would think that is due to the occupant of the grave why? because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in surah al-ahqaf verse 3 46 verse 3 so they cannot answer their invocations now this is the opposite of At-Talaq. This should be 5. 46-5. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, yeah. 46-5. And who is more astray than one who calls, invokes besides Allah such as will not answer him till the day of resurrection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may put into tribulation whomever he wishes from his slaves. Now what's the relation of the hadith to the, the chapter title? The chapter title, as you may remember, is talking about the types and kinds of sihr, of magic. The relation of the hadith, those who attach to sihr and magic, 
and take it as a means to attain their goals, they will be left to that which they look for or use. And the end and the outcome will be regret and sorrow. The final outcome will be regret and sorrow. Then the author, rahimahullah, cited Ibn Mas'ud, that the Messenger وسلم, said, Ala hal unabbi'ukum mal'adhu hiya namima al-qalatu bayna al-nas. It is reported on the authority of Ibn Mas'ud that the Messenger وسلم, said, Shall I not tell you what is al-adha? Al-adhu. It is al-namima. It is an-namima. This exclamation, shall I not tell you, is of the type of drawing eagerness towards a matter. And it also may be for alerting, drawing attention. Just like the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Saf, verse 10, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ تِجَارَةٍ تُنْجِيكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Oh, you believe, shall I guide you to a commerce that will save you from a painful torment? Why this type of exclamation? Because the person is eager to know, wants to know. And also, the one who is addressed should be mindful so as to know. So it fits both meanings. Al-Abd, it covers both meanings, sowing discord and severing, etc. Then, in the Hadith, the term was explained as an-namima relating sayings to others and then this was explained as al-qalatu bayna-nas sayings between people relating them to each other taking from this to that and saying to this person you see this other one insulted you. Such and such insulted you. So this is conveying false rumors and news for the purpose of causing disputes between people. Narima. And sometimes it is irrespective whether he was truthful or lying. If he was lying, then this is a slander and namima. And if he was truthful, then this is namima. And the Prophet ﷺ, as he informed, it causes discourse and disputes between people. You find these two people friendly. 
and this Namam, the one who does this bad behavior of Namima, relating the news, and he says to one of them, your friend insulted you, and he insults you. So this love turns into enmity, and this called takes place. And this resembles magic to sow discord. Because in magic there is the causing the disputes and severing the ties. As Allah stated in Surah Al-Baqarah 2, 102, فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا So they learn from them مَا يُفَرِّقُونَ بِهِ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ So they learn that by which they cause separation between man and his wife. And Namima, this type of sin is from the major sins. And it is a cause for the punishment in the grave. And cause also from depriving from entrance to paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يدخل الجنة قتات Meaning, no one who is qualified with this behavior, قتات meaning namam, relating the news in order to cause discord, will be admitted to paradise. And these are from the ahadith of threat, al-wa'id. And in the hadith of Ibn Abbas, which is agreed upon, the Prophet ﷺ, when he passed by two graves, and their occupants were punished, one was punished because of Namima. We seek refuge in Allah from that and we ask Him subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep our tongues and selves secure from this practice. Namima, in addition of being one of the major sins, in reality it is a bad character as well. It is a bad character. And the person should not obey an namam the one who does this, irrespective of his condition. Allah Ta'ala, in Surah Al-Qalam, verses 10 and 11, وَلَا تُطَعْ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَّهِينٍ هَمَّازٍ مَّشَّائٍ بِنَمِينٍ and obey not everyone who swears much and is considered worthless a slanderer going about with culminies. And you should know the one who does this namima to you relating it relating the sayings of others to you in order to solve discord will do the same for you. will do the same for you. So watch for that. Also it is a cause for the corruption of society. When this namam intends to transgress, to cause dispute between two friends, then in this case he corrupts the society. Because this society is composed of individuals. And if the society is 
disrupted by this means, it becomes, as Allah spoke in Surah Al-Anfal 8:46, "Wala tanazau fatafshalu wa tadhabari hukum," and do not dispute with one another, lest you lose courage and your strength depart and be patient. And if the society is not like an individual, then it cannot possibly be a society. Otherwise, it will be dispersed individuals having no strength. As the poem, as the poet put it in his poem, لا تخاصم بواحد أهل بيت فضعيفان يغلبان قوية Don't dispute one facing household or two weak ones overcome a strong one and the other said تأبى الرماح إذا اجتمعنا تكسرا فإذا افترقنا تكسرت أفراد تكسرت أفرادا The Spares defy being broken when together. But if they are apart, if they are apart, they will be singly broken. <coughs> and if we examine <coughs> the legal texts, then we will find them forbidding the means and causes that lead to discord and severing of the ties take for example what the Prophet ﷺ said concerning transactions لا يبيع بعضكم على بيع أخيه he forbade one to bid against another his brother forbade one to bid against another brother and in marital relations, he sallallahu said, لا يخطب الرجل على خطبة أخيه. One of you must not ask a woman in marriage when his brother has done so already. All of this in order to ward off enmity and hatred between people. Then, in the next hadith, which the author, rahimahullah, cited, وَلَهُمَا عَنِ ibn Umar رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ said, إِنَّ مِنَ الْبَيَانِ لَسِحْرًا And as it is reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, on the authority of Ibn Umar رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا that the Messenger وسلم, said, Verily, some eloquence can be so beautiful it constitutes sorcery, meaning because of its eloquency it could be sorcery. Verily, min al bayan, min it could mean some, and it also could mean bayanun lil jins a 
meaning of kind. So according to the first meaning, if it is a sum, that some of eloquent speech would be magic and other, other speeches would not. The other meaning, if we take it to mean it, the kind, then in jinsal bayan kulluhu sih. The kind of eloquence is constitutes sorcery. Al-bayan is eloquency. And this is from the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qala Allah ta'ala in Surah Ar-Rahman uh, 55 verses 3 and 4 Khalaqa al-insana allamahu al-bayan He created man He created man Allamahu al-bayan He taught him eloquent speech and al-bayan is two types that which is inevitable and this is common between all people <coughs> any person who becomes hungry he will say inni ju'tu I am hungry and if he's thirsty I will say I am thirsty and the like. This is common, inevitable. The second, the bayan carrying the meaning of perfect eloquency in speech, which captures the minds and changes the thoughts. And this is which the Prophet ﷺ referred to in this hadith. And in accordance with this classification, <coughs> Then, min al-bayan, some eloquence, would mean that, therefore, some of this, and this is the perfect type, is sorcery. But if we consider al-bayan to mean only eloquency, then the term min al-bayan, min, will be for the kind. Now, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the perspective about uh, eloquency being uh, sorcery? From what angle this is concluded? It is taken because it takes the, the, the thought and the heart of the one who is listening. So it will either incline him or turn him away. And therefore the hearer would think that falsehood is the truth because of the strong influence and strength of the speaker. So therefore he will be inclined to it. So therefore if a person comes and speaks statements uh, whose meaning is false but because of his strength of eloquency he will truly affect the hearer and then he will be inclined to him and this is sorcery 
And if an eloquent person speaks warning against something truth, something true, and because of his eloquency, the hearer thinks that this truth is falsehood. So he will turn away from it. And this is from the type of sihr, which we learned about earlier, that the scholars called al-atfu was-sarf. Atf, inclining towards, and sarf, turning away from. And by way of speech and eloquency, this occurs, either inclination towards or turning away from. So therefore, it does the act of sihr. And Ibn Qayyim, for example, says about the Huris, the Hurin in paradise, he says, Hadithuha sihrul halal. Its speech is the halal sihr. Now, the Prophet ﷺ statement, Inna min al sihra, Verily, some of speech or, or eloquency is a sahar, is a sorcery. Is this blameworthy or it's praiseworthy or it is a clarification of reality? Then one looks at the consequence. The answer is the last one. That is what is intended. That is because eloquency as it stands, is not blameworthy, nor it is praiseworthy, but one looks for the influence, and what is intended by this fluency and eloquency. If what is intended from it is to ward off the truth, and affirm falsehood, then it is blameworthy. Because in this case it will be utilization of a favor of Allah in a sin, you understand so far? And if what is intended is affirming the truth, affirming the truth, and refuting falsehood, then it is praiseworthy. And if the speech is utilized <coughs> for the obedience of Allah and for the da'wah to Allah, then it is better from what? The one who is unable to express himself. But if a person is afflicted with a speech and eloquency to turn people away from the deen of Allah, then there is no good in that. And the one who cannot express himself is better than him. And in eloquency itself, there is no doubt that it is a favor. And that's why Allah mentioned it as a favor. And he said, فَعَلَّمَهُ الْبَيَانِ And taught him eloquency of speech. Now what is the relevancy of the hadith to the title of the chapter? The author, rahimahullah, was wise in the title for his chapter he established. He said, Babun, chapter, Bayanu Shay'im min Anwa'is Sihr, chapter, explaining some of the types of Sihr, mentioning some types of Sihr. But he did not make a ruling on them. Why? Because some of it is Shirk, some of it is from the major sins, and some lesser than that. And some, that which is permissible, 
depending on what the person intends by it and depending upon its influence and effects. This brings the end of the discussion on this chapter, chapter 25, alhamdulillah, is done. And in the next chapter we will talk about what is mentioned concerning the foretellers and the like. That will be chapter 26, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alameen, wa muhammad, wa alameen, wa sahbihi, wa sallam. I will try to move quickly to the beginning of the fasting uh, classes, inshallah, now the first class from Blue Al-Maram.